Well, good morning again. Welcome to the second week of a series called Faith Works, where we're looking deeply into the book of James. Because the book of James, it's an ideal book, whether you've been following Christ for many years or, or whether you're just kind of checking out church and seeing what this thing about Jesus is all about. You can find some very practical teachings in the book of James. All the way through, James is telling us through his book that's in the New Testament how our faith can work on a day-to-day basis. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. We're going to give you an opportunity to get one of those. If you don't have one, uh, a Bible will just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep, or you can borrow it and leave it in the back as you leave. All the scriptures are on the screen, and you can read along in there as we look more deeply into the book of James. A couple of facts about the book, book of James. It's a book much like the Old Testament book of Proverbs that's just got saying after saying of things that can directly apply to our lives. It's written by a guy named James, obviously, but there were several people named James in the New Testament. This particular James was the little brother of Jesus Christ, and an interesting fact about this James is that he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah till after the resurrection. And then after that, he was convinced that his big brother actually was the Messiah, and he became a leader in the first century church, and he writes this book to people who had given up their old religion and the rules and the rituals and accepted the message of Jesus Christ. We're going to jump right into chapter 1, verse 19, where James says, My dear brothers... Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, how many of you are married to a talker? Tell the truth. Come on now. You're married to somebody that, this is what a talker, a talker, or or you you may, if you're not married, are you a talker? Do people tell you, just stop talking, just be quiet, just shush, do you hear that a lot? Then it might be an indication that you are a talker. My wife would raise her hand if the question was asked, are you married to a talker? And she would say, oh yeah, I'm married to a talker. Here's the problem with being a talker. When you are a talker, and you, you, you tend to use this muscle, these muscles right here, and you start doing this before anything engages up here. There have been many times we've gotten in the car after being with another couple or being somewhere for a get-together, and I get the look, you know, like, I've done, obviously I've done something wrong, please shed some light and tell me what it is. And many, many times the look is about, why did you say that? I cannot believe you said that. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. I was saying it and I was thinking, I cannot believe that I'm saying this. But I just started talking and I couldn't stop. James is saying, don't let talk be the very first thing you do. He's saying, be a listener first and then talk. He's saying, jaw no, ears yes, if you're taking notes. And he even says, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So it would seem that talking can cause anger. Isn't that what it says? Now, it says man's anger, but that includes women too. So ladies, you're not off the hook if you're a talker. 
He, he seems to be saying that this talking can cause anger. And it's true. If you're in an argument and you just stop talking, anger starts to go, if both people stop talking, anger just starts to go down. He's saying listening should be the first thing that you do. How many people do you know who are angry and bitter and just yak, yak, yak all the time that someone would say about them, they are such a good listener? Those two things just don't go together. Angry, anger, bitterness, and listening, those don't work together. They don't go together. James is saying the first thing I want you to do is to be the quickest not to talk, but be the quickest to listen. And then he starts to give us some things that we need to listen to. He says, if you're angry, you can't humbly accept God's word that is planted in you, which can save you, which can make your life better, which can make your life complete. And this word that James uses for, that we translate into English for planted, really means more than just like going out and planting some daisies or going out and putting some tulips in the ground. It's not, it's not quite that shallow of a meaning. The word in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, is pronounced emphatos. And emphatos just means, not just planted, it means to be engrafted, to be ingrained, to be implanted. Like if you have dental implants, they are part of you. And he's saying God's word is not just in you, it is part of you. It is part of who you are. Because he just finished talking about if you're going through difficult times, if you're going through struggles, if you're going through life and things are happening, because that's going to happen to all of us. And then he jumps and he starts telling us this is how you handle that kind of stuff and handle in your life when you mess things up. And he jumps right into saying, first of all, start with listening. Because there's some words, there's the word, God's word. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, that's engrafted into you. That's ingrained, that's become part of who you are. Now that's the ideal and that's what happens to people who listen. God's word is deeply rooted in their soul. And it affects the way they live their lives. It was probably the early 1980s when the Nike ad campaign, Just Do It, showed up. But they just stole that from James because after he tell, tells people to listen, listen to what he says. In case people go, oh, I'm a great listener. I'm a great listener. In fact, that's all I do is listen. I don't ever do anything, but I just listen, listen, listen. That's all I ever do. I just sit and listen. And he, then he says, well, don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now this section that I'm getting ready to talk through, where James talks about the doing part of our faith, it's, it's very challenging because I read this and I teach through this at the risk of some of you who maybe grew up in certain religious backgrounds, that's all church was, that's all a relationship with God was, was just do, do, do. And if you don't, 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 then God's not pleased with you. So it's all about working your way into this pleasing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you can't work hard enough, if you can't do enough good stuff, then he's not going to accept you. Anybody grow up like that? Anybody hear that stuff before? It's all works, 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 works. Now, that, that might sound like that as I'm teaching through this, but that's not what James is saying. 
I grew up in an environment like that. I stayed away from God and from church as much as possible. I was in my early 20s because I was like, no thanks. I don't want that. I, I'm not interested in that. Nobody here looks happy. Why would I want to, hey, come be sad like us. I'm like, give me a break. I want to go have some fun, enjoy life a little bit. Nobody's having fun. Nobody's enjoying this and you want me to be a part of it? No thanks. But if you've ever been a part of guilt-based religion, you know how it can make you feel. James is not trying to lay on a guilt trip like my sweet mother did every morning as a teenager on Sunday when I wouldn't want to go to church. You going to church? I'm not going to church. Single parent home. I was in control of the thing. So I was like, nope, not going to church. Sorry. And this is almost verbatim what I would hear. If Jesus died on the cross and got nails, drove through his hands and nailed to a cross and hung there, you can get out of bed and go to church. And I'm like, well, if you put it that way, I'll go, you know, because that's a pretty big deal to do all that, and I just got to get up. So I'll get up, I'll go to church. But it was all out of guilt. And if you've ever tried to serve God out of guilt, you know that that does not work. It's not a good motivator over time. Guilt is good in small doses to motivate you to do something, but over time it gets horrible and boring, and you begin to see God in this light that is so inaccurate. So James is not trying to guilt people into doing things. I'm not trying to teach through James because I'm going to get people to do stuff. I just talked about money earlier. Maybe I'll get them to give more money. That's nothing to do with that. James is trying to say, if you are a person of faith, there are some actions that automatically go with it. And if they don't, something is wrong. That's why he says, just do it. Just get to work. Do what God's word says. Remember from last week, his audience is full of people that he's writing this book to. It's people who were previously Jewish and gave up that religion to accept the message of Jesus Christ. A religion at that time that was full of rules and rituals, and then the relationship became with those rules and rituals and not with God. So Jesus comes into the picture and says, you don't have to have a relationship with rules and rituals. You have a relationship with me, the Son of God. And that's what James is trying to tell these people. Look, your faith should motivate you to do stuff. Not to win God's favor, but because you already have God's favor. And James says, if you just listen to the word, you are deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. James no doubt remembered his big brother saying, Jesus Christ saying in Luke chapter 6, when Jesus was trying to talk to some people who, who thought they had it all right just because they believed the right things. And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things I tell you to do? So Jesus was saying, if you call me Lord, why aren't you doing what I ask you to do? Not to earn my love, but just if you call me Lord, which means you love me, you've given me lordship over your life, why aren't you doing what I tell you to do? You can say you love your spouse all day long. You can say, oh honey, I love you. And it's great to hear. But there's got to be some action behind it. There's got to be some flowers show up every now and then. There's got to be a card mailed got to be some dishes washed and some grass mowed and some flowers planted and some kids looked after not just expecting the other person to do it all i mean if you say you love you got to do to back it up i see elbows going already this is not the marriage series the marriage series is coming in three months all right and we'll get to that 
But if you love somebody, there has to be action that goes with it to back it up or it really doesn't mean anything. God expects me to show my faith by my actions, not just my words. Anybody here forgetful? Who's forgetful? I am forgetful. Right now, if you said, Donnie, where are your keys? I'm not quite sure. They could be back there by the computer. They could be back here where we get dressed. I'm not sure. They're somewhere in this building. Not positive. I mean, I have this routine when I leave the house. Keys, wallet, phone. Keys, wallet, phone. And I have to think through that because even though we have this hook right by the door when I come in from the garage to hang my keys on, they've only been put there maybe twice and they could be anywhere else in the house. I just forget. Anybody like that or live with somebody like that? You just forget. Well, James says, if you do just the, just the listen part and you never do the, the acting part, you are like a, a forgetful person. If your life doesn't reflect in action what you say you believe, here's how he says it. Verse 23, chapter 1. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says... Is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I mean, James is like making a jab, like saying, if you just listen, you're not very smart. Stupid people just listen. That's what he's saying. Because if you can't remember what you look like, there's something horribly wrong. I found these pictures on my computer and I do not know who they are. I was looking at those and I was thinking, who are those people? Well, it starts way back. You can tell those are like 20-year-old pictures, at least the one on the right. And then it's a little newer on the, in the middle and a brand new one. Who is that? And if, if I came here and I was like, these pictures are all over my computer in my house. Who are, why do we have these pictures? I need you to help me figure out who this is. And you go, that's you, dummy. That is you and your wife. Don't you get it? You, do you not see that? Oh, yeah, that is me. That's right. Oh, okay. I got it. I remember now. And then the next day, it's like, who are these people over my computer? There would be something wrong, something physically wrong, something uh, mentally wrong. Something would not be right. And that's what James is trying to communicate. If you just listen and you don't do and show your faith in your actions, something is terribly wrong with the faith that you say you have. Not to lay a guilt trip on anybody. He's just trying to say, hey, I would expect that you do what you say you believe. What if you just ate and ate and ate and ate and never got rid of the calories that you were eating? What would happen? (laughs) Please don't go there. Please don't talk about that. Well, the truth, if you don't burn the calories off that you take in, you're going to get fat. That's what happens. That's how our bodies are made. Some people are really overweight spiritually because all they do is just listen, listen, listen. And I can, I can smell those kind of people a mile away. Those are the kind of people that come up and, and, and say, man, I'm just not getting fed. I'm always like, you know, I'm about to just hurl when somebody says that. Because 1% of the time, that's probably true. 
Maybe they're not. Maybe they come in a stretch when, when, when just not really on on a Sunday and not really sharing God's word with the depth that it should be. And that can be a legitimate concern. I get that. But when somebody just says, I'm not getting fed, most of the time, you know what it is? It's like somebody that just eats and eats and eats and eats and never exercises. And they just listen, listen, listen. That's all they ever do. And say, that's not enough. I want more. Well, then go exercise it. Go use it. Go do something with the faith that you want to hear me talk about on Sunday morning. It's much more than just listening or just reading. It's doing. Because God has given you favor through Jesus Christ. And James believes that your faith in Christ should change your daily lives. He believes that people should be doing something because they believe in Christ. Now, if you're James' audience in the first century, it's like, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to do. What, am, what is it I'm supposed to do? Well, that's a legitimate question. Don't just listen, do. Well, what do I do? I'm not sure. I thought coming to church. There's more than coming to church? Yeah, there's more. And he gets into it. James 1, verse 26 If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, religion, the way it is today, the way we define it, is not a good thing. Religion is what gets in the way of people having a relationship with Christ, and it did back then too. And what James is trying to say is, I'm not talking about these rules and rituals, I'm talking about real religion. If you really want God to accept it, and he says three things here that you've really got to apply. This is the do part. The first part James gets into, which he already alluded to in the first verse I read, James is saying, keep your mouth shut. Isn't that it? Keep a tight rein on your tongue. Translation, shut up. You know, you want God to accept this religion that you have, this relationship that you have, then keep a tight rein on your tongue. Now, that's coming in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk really deeply into that. But shh, be quiet. That's what he's saying. Another thing he says to do, help people who can't help themselves. So if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ that expresses my faith, first thing at faith, first thing I need to do is be quiet first and listen first. That's what James has said twice now already in just a few short verses. Another thing I need to do is be aware that there are people in this world that cannot take care of themselves. He talks about widows and orphans in the first century because it's not just limited to widows and orphans because the reason he uses them is because that was the most desperate of the desperate in the first century. It was a male-dominated society, and if you were a woman without a husband, a widow, or if you were a kid without a, without a father, then you were destitute. You had no way to earn income. You had no way to have a home, no way to generate uh, food of any kind, so you were desperate. And James is saying, take care of people who can't take care of themselves. We are obligated to do that as followers of Christ. We're not obligated to take care of people who won't take care of themselves. That's a whole other topic. Now, you have to discern, oh, is, this, is this someone who can't take care of themselves or is this someone who won't? Because if it's a won't, big deal. The Bible says don't work, you don't eat. And that's what it says. But James is talking about people who cannot take care of themselves. 
Friday, I get a link sent to me on Facebook. It goes on the LifePoint page, and then I put it on my page. It's about a little girl that goes to our church. Her name is Megan Jolly, and today she is eight years old. So happy birthday, Megan, if you're in here. But here's what Megan did for her birthday, and it was in the North Raleigh News on the front page. Megan decided that instead of get, getting whatever gifts an eight-year-old wants for their birthday, first service, somebody yelled out unicorn, so I guess it was an eight-year-old, so eight-year-olds must love unicorns. Instead of asking for stuff for her birthday, Megan said, you know what I want to do? I want to raise money for the ministry that, that my church sponsors, uh, helps sponsor in Guatemala, Lemonade International, so she decides that she's going to do a fundraiser for them, and that's, the, that's what she wants for her birthday, people to give money to that. And somehow, I don't know how the North Raleigh News found out about it, and they, they put her on the front page, and they tell the story of this little eight-year-old girl who figured out, you know, there are people in the world who don't have the cool stuff I have, and I want to help them. And in, that, in there, she says, they don't have toys. Maybe they want toys. Maybe they want something to read. Because that's how an eight-year-old thinks. I have these toys. They don't have these toys. So I'm going to help them. If an eight-year-old can figure out what real religion is, do you think we can? Because she's got it figured out. And, and you just go to North Raleigh News and, and read about it. If you want to help, there's ways to help in there. But figure out, it may not be doing that for your birthday, but it, it's something. There is something you can do to help people who can't help themselves. There's something even in our community. Just, just go to our website, lifepointchurch.com slash community service, and you can find out ways that you can serve and help in our own community for people who cannot help themselves. And then James goes on to a third thing, and he says, you need to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So keep your mouth shut, help others who can't help themselves, keep yourself from being polluted by the world. What he means there is don't look like everybody else. Look different. If you work around a bunch of people who don't know Jesus Christ, your life should look different than theirs. You should communicate differently. You should parent differently. You should handle conflict differently than all the people around you who don't know Christ. You should be different. Your schedule should look different. Your, your schedule shouldn't be a freaked out 24-7, run like crazy because I got the kids overcommitted in every possible thing, schedule because that's what the world schedule looks like. And James says, don't be polluted by that. Because if I had to list the number one reason people don't do, it's because they've done too much in their schedule and they don't have time to do when it comes time to doing these things that James talking about. Because hey, I'm busy, I got this, I got that. Oh, and I feel so disconnected. Why? It's your fault? You're, you feel disconnected? I mean, when you got your schedule so full of stuff and then you say, I feel disconnected, it's because you are disconnected. That is why. So if you start feeling like, I'm disconnected, the next thought in your head should be, oh, it's because I am disconnected. That's why I feel that way. And I'm the only one who can do something about that. And James is saying, among other things, your schedule, it needs to look different. It doesn't need to be polluted by the way the world says your schedule needs to look. So you want to have real religion? You, you really want to know what to do? Be quiet. Listen first. Help people who can't help themselves. And don't be polluted by the world by looking like everybody else in the world. Be different. That's what he's telling us. And James goes on. In James's book, he'll talk about something, then he'll jump and talk about something else, and, and then he'll come back to it. So 
In chapter 2, verse 18, he comes back to this idea of doing. And he says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. James says, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. So what I do is a direct expression of my faith. So you can do things without having faith, James would say. Oh yeah, there are people without faith who do wonderful things to make a difference in the world. No question about it. But people with real faith do. You can't have real faith without doing because that's how it expresses itself. In the do, in the getting it done, in the action. Now remember, not to save you, not to make you right before God, but to express the love, the appreciation, and the fact that Christ has saved you and let the world know that by what you do. If a sports team just sat in a soccer room, or sat in the locker room and listened, listened, listened all the time and they never got on the field and they never did anything, something wouldn't be right. It would be like you're wasting, totally wasting your time. And James is saying it's time to stop listening and start doing. The Reformation movement 500 plus years ago was led by Martin Luther. Martin Luther believed that the book of James should not even be in the scriptures. Because his reaction to the oppressive church of the day that that sold indulgences and that got people all out of sorts spiritually because they said, well, you have money, so you can do more wrong stuff. You don't have money, so you can't do as much wrong stuff. And, and he got tired of that and said, it ought to be about the message and the saving grace of Jesus Christ, not how well a person can obey a bunch of rules. And so the whole idea of the Reformation started, and that's one of the building blocks that got us where we are today, where we can enjoy our Bibles and we can enjoy the saving grace of Jesus Christ that's not based on our ability to perform. But his initial reaction to the book of James was, oh, if it says you need faith and deeds, then it's wrong because it's only grace, it's nothing else. And what he failed to understand was it's faith expressing itself through deeds. And that's different. In fact, Martin Luther never stopped doing deeds. He never stopped working. He never gave up. He never just said, well, it's all about grace, so I'm just going to sit and go to church, and I'm just going to listen. He fought to the death to make sure. So his faith was expressed by what he did, and my faith is expressed on a daily basis by my actions. That's what James is trying to tell us. You want to have faith? then do something about it. So how can my faith have action? Just three very easy things. One, think about the words I speak. Think about them. That's what he says. Keep a tight rein on your tongue. My faith can have action through and by the people I serve who cannot help themselves. Like I said, go to our website, lifepointchurch.com slash community service, and there's ways to do that. If an eight-year-old little girl can find it, you can find it. And then be different, which means there are some things in your life you need to stop doing. And there are some things in your life you need to start doing. But James, in the first century, if they were dealing with so much stuff going on in their life where he had to say, be different, don't act like the world, don't be polluted by the world, how much more do we need to pay attention to that today? 
So this week, I challenge you, don't just listen. Go do something about it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these words that build us up. These words that show the favor you've given us and the way you change our lives. Father, for the people who are sitting here wanting to make their faith real, show them ways that they can act on that and they can do to show their love, appreciation, and affection for you. And God, as you say that your word is planted and engrafted deep into our souls, may that change the way we act and react to all that's around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.